Okay, so week 12 is already quarter of the way done as I talk to you on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, so let's get into it. Rolling Fat, as always presented by me, Max. Um, so right off the bat, I want to get into the trades. One trade this week to report on as Tits got Mike Evans from Kyle in return for sending uh, Kyle to him. Kyle looks like he's trying to complete the Hawaiian Brotherhood over there. Evans has been consistent all year and has a favorable end to the fantasy season matchup-wise. Tits does have DeAndre Hopkins, who currently sits as the 26th best wide receiver, averaging 11.2 per game, but has been very inconsistent and very much a weekly boomer bust candidate. Evans ranks 9th, averaging 14.4 points per game, and has a two-week period scoring under double digits, and all the rest average out to be about 16.5 at that point. Kyle, on the other hand, is looking for an upgrade on the trio of Stafford, Mayfield, Heineke to now roster four quarterbacks in the move unseen before in the fantasy community. Kyle's made a good move this week, though, it appears, and held to it out of this tough matchup where he only ended up scoring single digits against the Jets. Tua's does have a real tough stretch against passing defenses coming up, including the likes of the Jets, again, the Cowboys, and the Ravens. But if Kyle platoons correctly with the bullpen full of quarterbacks, he has a chance to exploit some plus matchups. On the waiver wire, not much going on there. Tom grabbed Jaden Reed, who I also tried to get. Tits got the Saints D as they have a great upcoming schedule, including the Falcons, Panthers, Giants, and Rams. And I got Rashid Shahid, who uh, Tom also tried to get. The waiver wire report was brought to you this week by the future serial killers of America. Does your child eat gross-ass ketchup by the bucket? Did they take the cheese off of their pizza? Maybe they bite loved ones or don't even like ice cream. Whatever their tick is, we will try and hone that weirdo's passions into a future of successful murders. Who knows? Maybe they'll pick up holiday runs as an interest as well. But we can only promise murder, not complete psycho status. Now, back to our regularly scheduled podcast. Now to recap the highlighted games of last week in the NFL, we had the Bears at Lions. Um, Goff had a real tough start to the Tough start to the game and eventually tallied three interceptions on the day, but also was a main contributor in the later stretch of the game as he ended up eking out two tutties to get him to 17-plus points on the day. St. Brown continued to be the go-to as he accounted for more than a third of the targets and receptions and yards, as well as one of the two touchdowns. Outside of St. Brown, the Lions made it a point to target the running back in order to get some pressure off the quarterback, targeting and completing passes to the running back position eight times for 81 yards. Montgomery ended up with almost 17 fantasy points on the week, while Gibbs had 18 and a half of his own. Um, as I stated in the previous um, in the preview last week, the Bears averaged one touchdown to the running back position per week. But I guess when you have two stud running backs, they are both able to get theirs, and each ended up scoring one on the week. I was fairly on point with a lot of the analysis last week, but I had a huge miss on Laporta. He ended up not being a huge component to the Lions' offense. I'm not sure if it was him not being open, they were scheming up St. Brown and the other running backs in the passing concepts, or they were just smothering him in coverage. But either way, he only ended up with 18 yards on three catches. Definitely not the week Jimmy needed from him. For the Bears, Fields came back and looked okay. A little rusty for sure, but was able to make a ton of plays with his legs, totaling over 100 yards on 18 carries. 18 fucking carries. That is a ton. Very confusing, too, since this season is really going nowhere for the Bears, so you would think they would want to keep their starting quarterback healthy, but that team is an absolute shit show, so you know, pretty on par for what they're doing. 
Now, I know he does have the tendency to take off if the first couple progressions aren't open, but about half of the rushes were by design. And hey, look at that. Fields is back, and DJ Moore is back to scoring again. DJ Moore had almost had almost half the total targets and receptions while also getting significantly more than half the total yards passing and caught the only touchdown on the day. Those totals brought Moore back into that 19 to 20 point range. Uh, Komet pretty much fell in the same category as Laporta as a guy you expected more from that just never got a groove of working with the quarterback in this one. Komet seems seems like he needs time to adapt to new quarterbacks as he started the season out slow with, with Justin Fields, but by weeks four or five, he was crushing it. Then Fields goes out, starts the process over with Bajan, couple bad weeks, ends up playing really well. Now Fields is back. It looks like we're starting that whole cycle over again. So maybe in a few weeks, he gets back to the, um, to the big weeks we look, we're used to. Um, so the highlighted fantasy matchups in the league last week, tits first Jay. Nick evened the playing field as he brought Jay back to 7-4 with some of us and won biggest swinging dick in the family award to go with his already plumpest testicles in the family award he was given at his 8th grade graduation. The win brought Jay down to fourth place as Nick stayed strong at fifth. Now only sits behind Jay in the overall rankings by tenths of a total point scored. Shifting the league to multiple decimal scoring points has been a huge improvement. I love it. I love the little intricacies of being a team by part of a point. It's, it's awesome. Uh, Nick did not make any true movement, but was able to stay in contention for a first round bye with about five other people. I have had my share of gripes with the ESPN Fantasy platform up to this point, but this one they got right. As Jay was expected to lose by 10, ended up losing by 13. It's almost you know as if we planned it out because it all came down to Mahomes versus Kelsey on Monday night versus the Birds. They both missed a projected outcome by a few points, but if Mahomes could have put together one more drive, the whole thing could have been swayed towards Jay. Jay started his best potential lineup, so it came down to Mahomes, Keaton Mitchell, Tyler Lockett, and Ferguson all coming just a little bit short. Their combined underperformance would have resulted in an almost dead tie if they were to have what they expected to get. Tits, on the other hand, could have had a better lineup with start-sit decisions, but the Herbert Allen stack, as well as Montgomery, scored enough so everyone else just needed to be solid. Big win for Tits. Speaking of Tits, yo, Dolly Parton, sup? Next matchup, Jimmy vs. Kyle. Jimmy lost the battle and has now accepted terms of the agreement and has decided to take in Marianne Taggart as his punishment, leaving Mike in the wind. With the win, Kyle has moved to seventh and Jimmy has dropped to eighth. Um, at the end of the one o'clock games, Jimmy had already been all spent, uh, scoring a whopping 75 points with no one left to go. Much of Kyle's team was not taking advantage of the situations early in the late slate of games, but ended up coming through and winning convincingly. The two biggest impacts on this matchup as highlighted last week were the Jags-Titans game where Etienne and Henry both shit the bed for Jimmy and in the Miami game where A-Chain you know, coming off that injury only to be re-injured again really put Jimmy in a tough spot. Those three players had more to do with Jimmy's demise this week than anything else. I would be an asshole if I didn't mention Snowflake Kyle did play the matchup here and won. You know, congrats to you. But I would also be a fool if I didn't take this opportunity to wield my power and make fun of Kyle. With that in mind, he would have lost to more than half the league with that score. Lucky little leprechaun. Those recaps were brought to you by Boobs. We like them. Back to the podcast. Okay, so the results for last week. Uh, I beat Rex 128-87. to 87. Dave beat Mike 111-105. to 105. John beat Evan 98-84. to 84. 
Kyle B. Jimmy, 106 to 75. Tits beat Jay, 133 to 120. And Nikki Ko beat Tom, 149 to 110. All right, now for the awards. The biggest upset. The only upsets in any way this week, fantasy-wise, were Kyle over Jimmy and Nick over Jay. Every other game, the higher seed and projected winner won. And we already talked about those games in length. So with that in mind, I'm giving it to my pal, my buddy, hey, chief, yo, Lupa guy. Nikki Ko for being upset and vulnerable to the point he felt he needed to call me out in the group chat when I'm not even playing him this week. 17 points for Sam Howe is all I'm going to say. Rent free. Biggest winner, as much as it hurts me. Nikki Ko won this one as well. You could say it was his Super Bowl, maybe. However, it was a big win as he knocked Tom off his hot street, had most points on the week, and kept his place intact trying to win out and get the bye. This week, he has Rex, who is at 4-7, just like his most recent foe, Tom, and then ends the season against Jimmy and Dave, who are both trying to make pushes of their own. Biggest loser, Jimmy. Listen, like I don't want to talk about these performances on here, so just do me a favor and stop having them. Help me help you. At a time when it's getting tough to eat losses with such a large group sitting around that 5-6 and six to 7-4 and four mark, currently seven of us, Every loss and low score is magnified. So typically what I do here is I go over the Thursday night game after the awards. Um, since there were three on Thanksgiving and one on Black Friday, I'm just going to do a quick little blurb about each of them and then get back in the normal breakdown like we usually do. The first game was the Lions-Packers where Green Bay pulled off the major upset. Detroit at kickoff was an 8.5-point favorite. They ended up losing 29-22. to The biggest impact were the golf turnovers. Three fumbles. Outside of those plays, the Lions were very productive offensively. Goff ended the game with 22 fantasy points and spread around his passing numbers as St. Brown had nine catches for 95 yards. Khalif Raymond had five for 90. And Laporta had a bounce back week with five for 47 and a tutty. Hell, even Rodrigo from Hard Knocks fame, who switched from linebacker to fullback, had a catch for six yards. Obviously not fantasy relevant, but you get the point. Montgomery and Gibbs are keeping it rolling. Monty got his fantasy impact exclusively on the ground for over 15 points, while Gibbs had nine fantasy points of his own, with a fairly even split through the air and through the ground or on the ground. On the other side, Jordan Love had himself a day, super efficient, 22-32 uh, for 268 and three touchdowns, while also getting 39 on the ground. Great day. Outside of the Week Five versus the Raiders, in which he stunk it up, he has been crushing it. In our fantasy format, he is currently the 8th best quarterback, averaging 21.5 points per game. He was originally undrafted, picked up by me for a few weeks, and then dropped and picked up by A. Wild ride for a guy that has been so good. A.J. Dillon was the only running back to get playing time, but wasn't very efficient, averaging just 3 yards per carry. Um, no, not, a great, not a great look, but was able to catch the ball for 3 times for 38 yards, so kept his fantasy level kind of afloat there. Uh, The best Packer to have outside of Love was Watson, who finally had an impact week at 17.9 points. Detroit has not been great against the pass, so I don't know if this combo is going to continue that stretch, but I definitely have more faith in Love moving forward than any other Packer in fantasy. Game two was the boys versus commanders. Dallas did about 15 minutes of foreplay, rubbing their lover's underpants over the rough zipper of their jeans until their hand and their lady's labia were chafed into oblivion before shoving their Barry-sized cock down the commander's throat to the tune of 35-10. to 10. In what some are calling Super Bowl of the season, 
Dak kept his scorching hot streak going, tallying four more passing touchdowns to go with 331 yards. Typically in a game with that many passing yards, CD would have just went off. He had a great game with four for 53 in a tutty, but he was outdone by Cooks, who also caught four, but for 72 in a tutty. Across the rest of the roster, four wide receivers, two tight ends, and two running backs all got involved in the passing work, but no one scored in the double digits through the air. Over the last two weeks, it has seemed like they were telling the truth when they said they were trying to get Pollard rolling again because he has just had his best two weeks of the seasons since week one and two. For the commander, Sam Howell finished at just about 17 points. You might have seen or heard that somewhere, I don't know. The good thing about bad defense is that typically they give their offensive counterparts better fantasy scoring scripts. In this one, Howell was actually only able to support one big day as Curtis Samuel put up 14.5 points, which is his best um, outcome since week five. Game three was the 49ers Seahawks. Pretty much best case scenario, this game was over within the first couple minutes. Most of our bodies had already been through hell and back by the time this game started. Running, football games, cooking, kids, two games already on TV, lots of alcohol. You get the gist. McCaffrey single-handedly took apart the Seattle defense as he accounted for more than one-third of their total yards and two of their four touchdowns, while Debo and Ayuk both had 50-plus yards of their own and one touchdown apiece. Seattle was on the bad end of another lopsided game and ended up with nothing to show for it. The replacement for Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet, was the biggest fantasy scorer for the squad, ending with 7.8 points. That's how bad it was for them. Final game was the Black Friday Amazon special, Dolphins at Jets. And oh look, another absolute fucking snooze fest in a standalone time slot. Almost makes me happy I had to work. Psych. The big pieces for the Dolphins went off. Mostert ended with 21.4 points due to a double tutty kind of day. Tyreek with 20.9 and Waddle with 15.4. Tua ended the day in single digits due to his interception and fumble. Now for the Jets. They suck. Not really sure how else to break this down. The O-line is in shambles, causing them to run an abbreviated offense and a predictable offense. Gary Wilson is one of the only reasons Jets even exist in any kind of relevancy this season. He made his day worth something as he got seven catches for 44 yards and a garbage time touchdown to score, om- uh, to score almost 14 on the week. Per the huge, Mike did his thing, had him benched. So for the big matchups this upcoming week, um, we're going to get the first one here from the NFL. Obviously, you guys and myself have a lot more invested in this than just a normal game. The Bills visiting the Eagles. Currently at a robust and hearty 48.5 point over under with the home birds expected to win by three. That puts the outcome of the um, expected score to be 26-23 in favor of the birds. I am very baffled by the line because honestly, it just doesn't make much sense to me. The Eagles just showed they can compete with a top-ranked competition when they won their Super Bowl of the regular season against the Chiefs and four straight overall. The Bills, on the other hand, have lost three of their last five, including losses against the Broncos and Patriots. I would have thought this would have been like closer to like a five, six-point line. So three is, a, I don't know, at home is a little, it's, it's alarming. Uh, with all that being said, I still expect to be a lower scoring game than the current Vegas line. Both offenses have not hit their stride, so sitting at the highest over-under on the week is a tough look. Usually in big games, my faith would be in Hurts to throw the ball all over the field, but I don't know, don't know if I can say I expect big things from Brown or Smith here. The Bills are a little banged up in the secondary, but have been fairly stout against the passing game, only allowing about 200 passing yards and one passing touchdown per game. 
where they can really be exploited is hurry up offense with a mix of running plays due to their loss at middle linebacker and Matt Milano, who was the leader and kind of set everybody up. And to pair that with also a young defensive front that they put out on first and second downs, Von Miller is a third down specialist, so whatever. So that'll be easy for the Eagles to take advantage of those young guys, maybe get them worked up, get them you know, overworked on you know play after play after play, hurry up and just you know gash them up the middle. Um, Dave getting Swift in the third round, I originally thought was a little bit of a reach with the expected split carries, but ends up being perfect with the value. Um, you know, just like Dave, Eagles are hoping that they can get him through a couple, you know, couple tough games here down the stretch. Um, and then obviously the Hurts Swift combo this week is going to probably do a shit ton of damage for the Bills. As has been stated before, the Eagles are bottom two against quarterbacks and dead last against fantasy wide receivers. So I guess if the Bills are going to get out of their funk in any game, it might be this one with the help of Diggs and Allen. Allen has had a lot of interceptions on the year, 12 to go with his three fumbles lost, but he has always seemed to overcome that only having more turnovers than touchdowns two times this year, causing his two lowest scores of fantasy, 16 and 11. Outside of that, he has averaged 30 fantasy points per game, which is you know astronomical. It's crazy good. He should continue this kind of play, especially himself getting in the mid-20s rushing every game and has seven rushing touchdowns sprinkled on the ground as well. Diggs has had a great year for fantasy, but is coming off his two works week by far, averaging 3.5 catches for 30.5 yards and zero scores. The one saving grace there is it was against the Jets and Broncos. Both those teams suck, but when it comes to fantasy, they have shown the ability to slow down and even stop some of the best passing offenses. Now, just as bad as the Eagles are against fantasy quarterbacks and wide receivers, they are incredible against running backs. This is a scenario we talked about before. Are the Eagles really that bad against the pass, or are teams resorting to the pass so quickly in their game script causing numbers to be skewed? The shutdown running attacks so quickly and violently, the mental warfare alone turns teams away from running it. And even in tied or one-game scores, they decide not to go with the rushing attack because of what has happened earlier in the game. And plus, you know, second and longs are typically like the worst situation to be on in the NFL because you either have to make up half the yards or get enough to get back to a third and manageable. Very tough, you know, very tough slope to go, especially if, <laughs> if you're down multiple scores and the defense knows you're passing the ball. It makes it even more difficult. The fact that typically teams only run the ball 15 times a game against the Eagles Backs that theory up. In comparison, the rest of the NFL averages about 20 rushes per game. James Cook is a good running back and has solid games, but I don't see that outcome in this one where he is large, um, where he is a large contributing fantasy factor. The carries around the goal line that make players like James Cook valuable in these tough matchups are not going to go to him. Josh Allen will see those. The Bills have a grab bag of goal line plays that get Allen one-on-one with members of the secondary, typically resulting with the necessary yardage to score. So to recap, for the Eagles, the top-notch fellows would be Hurts and Swift. A.J. Brown and Smith are both definitely playable, but have slightly lower than usual expectations. And don't even look at another running back for the Eagles unless you are in a serious bind, which really shouldn't be because there's no teams on by this week. Um, tight ends for the Eagles, just don't do it. There's not, nothing to win there. For the Bills, Allen and Diggs are a full send in this kind of matchup. You can feel confident with Gabe Davis as well. 
I would try to avoid Cook this week if I had an alternative, but might you know sneak into flex worthiness. Kincaid at this point is a shoe in for starting tight end, but he might not be seeing a lot of the passing action with the way the Eagles play their coverages. Now the fantasy matchups. John vs. Jay, two of the darkest skinned people in the league going at it. Second highest total wins in a matchup this week. These two teams are currently sitting just one game apart as John has worked himself back into the conversation after a rough start. Jay has been trending in the opposite direction, accruing all four of his losses in the last six weeks. A win could put either team in second place or drop them out of playoff contention in general. Jay's team has already had six of nine possible players go, already resulting in him sitting almost exactly where he was projected to and is still expected to end the week around 108. The bad news for him is that John had the Dolphins D and Debo Samuel already go for him and raised his expected total to just under 130. This one is far from over as both sides have dudes that can put up huge numbers, but also can show you the flip side of that equation with an absolute dud of a week. Mahomes is going against the Raiders who have been good against the pass, but he has years of tape showing he can make some wild shit happen, especially against division rivals. On the other side, John has Deontay Johnson, who just got into a fight with his teammates after last week's game, so his 9.4 expected total could be zero if Tomlin puts the old bench punishment for a boy. Even if he does play, he has weeks of 0, 2.2, and 2.6 total points on the week, and those last two were his last two games, so obviously not a great trend there. Now Dave versus Kyle is the other matchup we're talking about here. Most total wins in a matchup this week, so we're going 1-2 and two for the most total wins. Um, originally expected to be a 115 to 92 in favor of Shrimp Boy. Dave now holds an expected lead of 108 to 86, keeping the margin of victory in line, but just total points a little bit lower. Once again, a lot of this one was already decided as Dave's combination of Mostert, Kittle, Lions D. Missed the park by about seven points um, this week, while Bryce Hall, St. Brown, and Jake Moody for Kyle also missed their total expected by about six points. So... You know, basically the same difference, just a little bit lower. Um, now, these scores are expected before Kyle puts a flex player in, FYI. So once he puts that player in, it should jump up about 10 to 11 points, but still expected loss. The Bills-Eagles game that we referenced earlier has the biggest impact on this one as Dave has Hurts, Swift, Dig, and Tyler Bass accounting for 63 points, um, which is over half of his expected total. All these guys do have promising matchups this week, so that could spell trouble for Kyle, especially since his biggest chance at a blow performance is St. Brown, typically, who already tapped out at one point under his expected. Love you, fellas. Good luck this week. Keep rolling. Talk to you soon.